more. This is one more. Welcome to Otra Por Favor. Otra Por Favor. How are y'all doing today? I'm great, man. I'm excited. Um, you know, Otra Por Favor is a podcast where we discuss life, football, culture, mm-hmm. um, in addition to some of the local soccer uh, soccer news. But today we have the wonderful honor and opportunity to highlight the stories of of uh, people in Austin that are parts of their community, such integral parts. And for the longest time, we've wanted to bring these ladies, these true Verde queens to this podcast to tell their story and their trajectory. Um, so without further ado, uh, Caitlin Mauro and Jordan Martin. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, y'all, for letting us be here. For sure. Excited to be here. For it, sure. It's been one of those where we, how many times did we reschedule? I don't know, man. And it, everything, everything started since <laughs> April, and then it was going to happen, and then it happened. But luckily, I'm, you know, we're glad that it's happening. Um, for sure. I was telling Coke since Pepe came in that one mm-hmm. time. I, he was like, man, you should have Caitlin and Jordan. And I was like, dude, I want to have Caitlin and Jordan. And Caitlin and Jordan, I apologize for not, like, every time I see you at the stadium, I haven't said hi. You know, and sometimes I'm like, my timing is off. Not y'all's fault, my fault. <laughs> you guys are in the right place. I'm not. Uh, but one thing that I noticed is you guys, or you were just in Ubalde with Laundry Project for Stuber, correct? I was just this past Sunday. It was... The day after our 4ATX Foundation theme night at the stadium, which was a really big night for us. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, our starting goalkeeper got up and he drove himself to Uvalde wow. for this project, which just says so much about his leadership. And so um, we traveled there with a group from Los Verdes and Austin Anthem to support him in the laundry project. And it was powerful. Oh, nice. Nice. So this is some of the work that uh, 4ATX foundation is a part of no this is actually led by brad stuver oh really so this is something he's done in other markets and it's a project that's really you know near and dear to his heart and he actually brought it to austin fc and said um you know will y'all support this and we said of course so um this is a it's a um, other nonprofit called The Laundry Project that Brad has been involved with for years, as well as his wife, Ashley. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, you know, we help mobilize volunteers. We help with donations. We volunteer on the day of. Um, this past one, we did a school supplies drive. So mm-hmm. um, we got front office staff members from Austin FC to donate English and Spanish children's books. And then we got a bunch of supplies um, and we set up kind of an Austin FC kids corner um, where families could come and the kids could get soccer balls and Austin FC stickers, but they could also get folders and pencils and highlighters and wow, books. That's and, fantastic. You know, anything we can do to help give just a little bit of joy for these kids going of back course, into the that's, school year. That's great stuff. Um, if you don't mind backtracking a little bit, what what is what what does the 4A ATX Foundation do and what role do you play in that organization? Sure. So 4 Tech Foundation is the nonprofit arm of Austin FC, and our mission is to use the power of soccer to build physically, socially, and emotionally healthy communities in Central Texas. Um, we were founded in 2019, which is pretty incredible that, you know, Anthony Precourt and the other leadership of Austin FC, they had this vision that 
they didn't want to just build a soccer club. They also wanted to build something that would be a force for good in the community. And so um, I have the tremendous privilege of serving of, as executive director for 4ATX Foundation, um, get to work with an amazing team. And our job is to use the beautiful game to do good in the community. That's wonderful. That's good. That's good. Jordan. Yeah. So we also do that in a few different ways. So one of them is we get people playing. Mm -hmm. So just being able to touch a soccer ball and right and be exposed to the game for the very first time. So we offer programs like free clinics. Um, we do a scholarship program to send them to cl club and camp um, programming, and then we also do like an equipment drive. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that's kind of the first bucket, right, of just getting people playing, getting that touch point with the game. And then another part is just having safe places to play, right? It's so important for families in our communities to have a place to play um, that is not only safe, it's well lit, right? It's a place where families and community can come together um, and gather. And so we um, build many pitches throughout the city, and so I think we have four right now, right? Getting ready to break ground on a fifth in a couple of weeks. Wow. It's a super secret spot. That's awesome. That's um, a, that's incredible stuff. I mean, I, I grew up on the north side of Houston, Texas, in a in a in a pretty much Latino uh, neighborhood, and that was always one of the struggles. Where are we going to play? Where are the lights? Where's where are the good fields? Absolutely. Um, not only that, but I have like kind of a, a bad experience of playing in in a middle school, Grantham Middle School, is a middle school that I went to, and I used to always go play certain days of the week. And this is something that we'd been doing for years. Uh, this my group of friends at the time, and one time we got the cops called on us because we were just playing in the school when there was no school in session. And a, and a cop drove onto the field and literally told everybody to go home. And me being like the angsty teenager I was, I, I slowly was trudging along. And he literally drove towards me like at such high speed, I thought he was going to hit me. And he made an example out of me. He like put me in his, in his patrol car and questioned me. Why, wasn't, why didn't I listen to him? And just seeing what you guys are doing for this city and this community, it makes me reflect onto that experience that I had and how, mu how much better experience you're giving uh, the Austin youth here. Yeah. So and It's so unfortunate. I mean, you remember that all these years yeah, later. Yeah, it'll right? stick with and me forever, for sure. I think so many kids, especially kids of color, kids with disabilities, right, have so many interactions with police, mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. teachers who label them as a bad kid, right? Yeah. All those kind of interactions that just stay with them throughout their life. And it kind of, you know, it is what we like to call a school-to-prison pipeline. We yeah. are just very, in our schools, the way we set them up, we set them up for um, especially kids of color, right, to to fail, to be suspended, um, to get detention, all that kind of stuff, all these different ways of ostracizing, some, ostracizing them from the community. Mm -hmm. um, and with that, without community, like, what is there, right? Where else are they going? Um, and I think for us, it is really about how can we work with these kids to make sure, you know, like you said, have a safe place to play, and then also from there, what do we? What else are we doing, right? So soccer is kind of mm -hmm. just the start of the things we are doing. And so we can talk a lot more about Verde Leaders, for example, and the program right. we do there. But it's really about soccer as the start of it, right? It's the foundation of everything. And from there, there's so many different things in terms of giving them a community, a safe place to play, um, you know, healthy role models like Jorge, who's volunteered with us before. <laughs> Jorge, um, healthy role model. <laughs> <laughs> um, a multifaceted <laughs> <laughs> Is there something I don't know about? <laughs> 
But no, the kids are obsessed with him, actually. Nice. <laughs> um, he's very good on soccer field. He really beats up on the high school kids, actually. Mm. Um, <laughs> they beat just, me, they beat up on me, too. <laughs> <laughs> but just having you out there and yeah. having you consistently out there, right? It's just something mm. that's so powerful to have in, in right. a kid's life. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's been too long, and I can't wait to get into it. But on this podcast, one of the things we like to do with our guests that we bring in is know a little bit about their stories. So if you don't mind telling us a little bit about uh, where you're from, what it was like growing up, you know, why, what got you into the beautiful game? I can start. Um, <laughs> so I was born in Houston, okay. but raised hey. in Austin. H. H. What part of, what part of Houston? Um, Westview. 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 Okay. Very close to downtown. Um, oh, she was born in proper Houston. Proper not, Houston. Not, not Katy. Not She's born like inner loop. Yeah, inner, inner loop. loop. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I know, not like Conroe, not Katie. Not Sugar Land. Sugar Land. Was that 70002 zip code? I think I have too many zip codes in my life. That's a lot of zip codes. I think it was 7500. So you're born in Houston. Born in Houston. Moved to Austin. Moved to move over to Austin. Around middle school. Middle school. Um, And I played soccer my whole life. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was always how can I play at the most competitive level possible. Um, I was really fortunate to be able to go to St. Stephen's mm -hmm. um, here in Austin and play for the soccer academy there, which is where I just fell in love with the game um, and started playing year-round. I played club soccer um, for the Warriors, which eventually became Lone Star, but oh, okay. a little old, and back then, Lone Star didn't <laughs> exist. Dates you a little uh, I know. Uh, my senior year, we became Lone Star, but um, I played college soccer, um, and for me, again, it was always, you know, how can I play at the highest level possible? Um, and for me, it was also just a way to make friends. Um, I think, you know, I grew up with a lot of privilege. I grew up with a lot of opportunity. Um, and I, soccer was a way that I met people from all different walks of life, from different countries that, you know, maybe we didn't speak the same language, but mm -hmm. you have a ball and, um, that's all it's really. That's a language you know, right there. Language, together. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And I can get into my history of how I started doing this work. But, yeah, soccer has always been, you know, very central to my life. Um, and I think just grew up with a family that taught me that, you know, education and opportunity is everything. And, and education, you know, go as far as you can and then use that to make the community a better place. So I think I'm very fortunate to be able to actually do that work today. Um, and, yeah, I never in a million years thought I'd be working in soccer. Mm -hmm. um, didn't think we'd have a major league soccer team in Austin, but yeah. here we are. That's the dream right there. And, and uh, before we, like, we continue with, with Kaylin, how about you, Jordan? What, uh, what's, yeah. what's your life like? Ooh, that's a big question. <laughs> um, so I originally grew up in Farmington, New Mexico. Okay. So it's considered a border town off of the Navajo Nation, which is one of the largest reservations um, in the country. And... I myself am full-blooded Navajo, um, but yeah, grew up in that small town, and um, it's kind of in the Four Corners area next to, like, Colorado and stuff mm -hmm. like that, so did a lot of skiing and things like that, which was great, um, but my town is a big basketball town, actually. I don't okay. know if y'all have ever heard of Res Ball, um, but there's a lot of documentaries on it, but it's really? a hardcore version of basketball cool, no. that I had to play a lot of, and it was very intense, and so I played a lot of basketball growing up. And soccer was just not something Native people played. Um, it was something that wow. um, I, I just, I don't know how I fell into it, actually. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure. I have a picture of myself. I think I was, like, 
six years old. I've got like a bowl cut and I've got, I'm sitting on the dirt, like with a soccer ball. Mm-hmm. Like I just look really hardcore and like, I have no idea who gave me the soccer ball and nothing. Um, but just kind of fell into it and just loved playing it. Um, and I just remember very distinct experiences playing in high school, mm-hmm. just being one of the only people of color playing the game. And it was, which was interesting, but soccer was a, a sport for people who are more privileged. And I remember doing a lot of things like, we would, like, the team would do, like, spaghetti dinners the night before, and they would host everyone at everyone's house, right? Mm-hmm. And we would just go to these beautiful, like, mansions. Yeah. And I remember just being, like, I really hope they never pick my house because I <laughs> never want anyone here. Because um, I was just so embarrassed and so, like, just felt so different from everybody else on that mm-hmm. team and just felt out of place all the time. And that's what soccer felt like for me, which is not what it's supposed to be, right? And certainly not what I want Verde leaders to look like, right? I want it to be inclusive. I want it to be about community, about everyone, just like you're saying, people from all walks of life. And um, yeah, just didn't feel that as much, but I mean, just still love to play. And again, I don't know, I fell back into it again. And now I'm here sitting here, major league soccer team, wow. nonprofit attached wow. to it. Like, I don't know how, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I love soccer, but yeah, just kind of keeps coming back into my life, which is not a bad thing. The beautiful game. Well, th- <laughs> thank y'all for sharing a little bit about your your history. Um, I'm, I'm I'm curious now to know how how it is that y'all met. We met in graduate school. Oh. So, um, I had had a completely different career and um, was working in New York City and started volunteering for a nonprofit um, that worked or used soccer to work with people experiencing homelessness. And for me, it was this like light bulb moment of soccer can be used as a community building tool. And I saw what was happening in Austin. I saw, you know, we're growing so quickly, but soccer is becoming expensive. And, um, and so I went back to school with the intention of building this nonprofit. And lo and behold, there was Jordan in graduate school. And we met, we had, we were in the exact same program. We took okay. a lot of classes together. Um, and the rest is history. So um, when y'all met, uh, was it, Pretty much the studying, that group studying that you guys had going on. And do you guys ever envision maybe having a project of, like, you guys created outside of school? Or was something that it was just uh, weekend friends after, you know, a couple of drinks? and <laughs> um, Probably that, yes. And also... Um, I just, I really distinctly remember we took a class called group counseling okay. where we sat at a table just like this with a bunch of other women. I think there were like seven of us and it was, everyone had to facilitate and practice what it was like to counsel a group. So you would get into some very, very deep things with your little group. And I learned so much about Caitlin and so much about her life and her passions and things like that. And I think just saw a lot of amazing things and just really got to know each other very closely through there. That's awesome. If we can go, if we can probably divert a little bit from the, from the notes, cause this is a pretty interesting part. What was something in that group, uh, discussion that yeah, I had what was something about and we guys can answer about each other uh, this is where you guys will compliment each other what is something you 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 saw in Caitlin that was like man she's an awesome person or someone that really really can see myself outside of this four corners or four walls or this room yeah um I do kind of remember, I have a horrible memory. We actually both do, so this is very challenging, very taxing work right here. Um, But I do remember working on some kind of project together. I can't remember what it was, and we were kind of just talking about, like, what we wanted to do after all of this Mm -hmm. and and where we wanted to be, and and she was telling me this 
She'd already come in with an amazing plan that was upper 90. So okay. just one, watching someone come in and just knowing exactly what they want to do and just all this amazing determination and ambition was amazing to see, especially for me. You know, Caitlin had had a long career before that, and I had come directly from my undergraduate degree. And so I just kind of came into my grad degree and was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm here. I'm trying to figure that out. Um, and just was a little bit lost. And I feel like Caitlin was very much an anchor in many ways. Mm -hmm. oh. Caitlin. Sweet. And how about you, Caitlin? Um, so many things. I mean, I think I was struck. Like, I don't think I realized at first that, that Jordan had come straight out of college, and I was, like, I don't know, 10 years out of college. And mm -hmm. I was just struck by her maturity and her um, – just courage and just knowing where she comes from and how, mm -hmm. how vastly different we, we went to Harvard. It's a very white privileged place. Right. And just knowing like how different of, of, of an upbringing Jordan had and how one of the things I distinctly remember in this class is we were working on projects. We were like sharing, I think it was like peer editing projects. And I was just struck at how much better Jordan's work was than mine. Like it looked better. It was more organized. It was just, unbelievable and um i was a little intimidated by you and i was like oh, i need to step my game up a little bit so I, I definitely have that memory um but i think what's really beautiful is we were friends like we i didn't know jordan played soccer mm -hmm. i didn't know she was moving to austin i did probably share about my project but we were friends like we mm -hmm. went to the bars we went you know we hung out um and i think you know through time we realized that she was going to be moving to austin and the kind of things just fell into place and it was the most serendipitous lucky thing in the world to have a friend and have you know someone who had gone through this really intense graduate school experience um and we you know just share a lot of the same goals we mm -hmm. love working with youth we want to make the world a better place um i'm just so grateful for jordan's leadership and um thank the universe for sending her to me that's good that's good that Oh, that's uh, it's a moment. It's a moment. Yeah. We take, do a take, lot of reflection. No, it's, I feel like yeah. we were talking about this. We do a lot of just go, 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 and I feel like that's right. what we've been doing. And other, por favor, we do reflections <laughs> in our guests. No, we do, we and do. That's really helpful for we us. We do, obviously. and 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 I feel like the 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 organizations that, that y'all lead, um, y'all challenge the, the 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 kids to reflect a lot. Mm -hmm. But you guys are constantly, like you said, go, go, go. That. May, how often do you get the chance to reflect on your trajectory and like yeah. what brought you out together and your mission? So thank y'all for yeah. not giving up on us. <laughs> no, I, no, I, no, I was like, the doors are always <laughs> open for Vortex, the leaders. Um, just keep that in mind. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was cool because uh, I mean, for me, it was, was kind of funny. I never took it as an offense. It was just more like we had a list of the calendar and then like uh, the summer happened and then scheduling's happened. So you guys will have you guys here and then here. Like, okay, <laughs> let's try this date. Let's try this date. Let's try this date. Let's try this date. <laughs> so it was never like, uh, ah, God darn it. And, and actually one time we were, uh, we we're going to, we we're going to record it. We already, but there was a, like a set date. And then Coco looks at it. He's like, oh, dude, it was a day. The week is next week. It was like, oh, it's all right, bro. No, yeah. We're glad we're here. It's yeah. all good. It's yeah. helpful yeah. to have time to reflect. It's yeah, so yeah. It's great. So, Y'all met at the Harvard Graduate Program. What kind of what kind of program was this? What kind of um, setting was this? It was, um, yeah, Harvard Graduate School of Education. Education. So we were both pursuing, it's called Prevention Science and mm -hmm. Practice. Um, we call it PSP for short. Um, and it was to receive a Master's of Education. Gotcha. So um, the the work that you did at, at this program, um, the projects that you worked on, um, did, it, did it kind of... Uh, inform or inspire the the direction that y'all moved forward 
What? Oh yeah, my master's thesis was on Upper Ninety, and okay. I built the brand. I built the business model. I kind of split my time between wow. the business school and the ed school. On the ed school, I was building the curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, the business school, I was building the business model and making connections with people and getting feedback on pitch decks. And um, I, for my like final presentation, I presented what eventually a few months later became Upper Ninety. So that's where it all started. And of course, you know things have evolved and. Um, but you know, the, it's, it's a really evidence-based program that Mm -hmm. comes from research. And, um, you know, I had a field placement as part of the graduate study and I was, I was practicing some of the things like we were, I was doing circle with students and kind of getting Mm -hmm. a feel for what works and what doesn't work. And Mm -hmm. of course, when Jordan comes on board, you know, she, she adds a whole new element and, and what can, you know, make it even better. But yeah, that's, that's where it all started. So the dynamic duo, Jordan Kane right. finds their way to Austin. And how, d- how does that unfold when you begin Upper 90 here in Austin? So let's see. We graduated in May, and I think I filed for incorporation in May. Um, and I think I was by myself for a couple of months, maybe in the summer, working out of my little apartment. <laughs> and uh, I think we realized that, I don't know if you remember this part, we realized that you were going to be moving here, mm-hmm. and Jordan had a, a role that her schedule allowed her to help with the after-school programming. So we literally used to sit in my apartment and build curriculum and plan on Sundays, and then Tuesdays and Thursdays, she would meet, she would come from her other job, and she would meet me, and we would lead this program. It was the first time it was us and, like, 70 kids, <laughs> and it wow. was the very first day. Why wow. is just a reality check? <laughs> how, how was the 70, like, like, working with 70 kids, how was that for you, for y'all? Because you guys already, you were sorry, doing practicing in school, but now you're actually doing it outside of school in a, in a place where it's your own. In real life. In real life. <laughs> it felt like a tornado. <laughs> yeah, it was terrifying. Yeah. I just remember sitting in or standing in a circle of just, yeah, 70 kids and just trying to talk to all of them at once and just being like, this is not smart mm-hmm. and I don't know what we're doing. This is crazy, but there's a need and people want to be here and that's important. That's good. That's good. Uh, one thing that I, I do want to appreciate and I do appreciate and I highlight is the fact that y- y'all embraced your backgrounds. Um, how, y- like Kaylin, you mentioned about growing up with privilege. But how, even though you could have possibly done something different than, you know, more for yourself, but you decided to do something that changes the world, something that would help other people and underprivileged, uh, not under, underserved communities. Um, a lot of the times we don't think that, that even, even like us, you know, like say, for example, I grew up in a struggle and we don't think of, you know, helping the other person out or someone that it's in need. We just focus on our own. And, uh, and Jordan, you know, you focusing and in, in, in embracing where you came from and who you are, how that helped model what you want to do and to programs that you're working on. I think that that's a key because whenever you're starting something with, with like say people, like young people especially, a lot of the times you have to embrace where you come from. You cannot hide from, from any problems, any situations. You can even hide from the fact that you grew up in, you know, in, in a, in a better environment and probably the person next to you. And, and some people take it as kind of like, kind of like it's their fault, you know, for growing up in, in that aspect. But for you, it, it, it was a, a way that you maybe you had means to help other people. And that's, you know, that's what I, I, I've, I, uh, I remember hearing 
um, Moon Towers podcast episode with you, and you were talking about up at 90. And I don't know if that time it was already for ATX or not, but for me, that's when I got from 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 you, Kaylin. I was like, man, I really want to have this conversation, and I want to hear more about it. So now that it's already been, you know, maybe maybe it's meant to be from life that you know it passed so many months, and then just the the growth that the program has had, the impact it has had, and and kids how that has developed into something that is real, like and it's real and good quality. Yeah, I think one thing that I learned over time, and this was a long journey, was I think when I started out in high school and things like that and just trying to figure out life, I was like, I need to get out of my town. I need to get away from all of this. I need to go do something else. And I ended up going to NYU, so very, very far away from New Mexico. Um, But I think over time, learned a lot about just not teaching others that it's about leaving. It's about going away and getting out, right? I think that's what we're taught a lot, especially if someone Mm -hmm. who – you know, if you grow up from an underserved area or whatever it is, like you're taught, like, get out of here, go do something better versus mm-hmm. come back and, and, you know, take care of your people and take care of your community. And I think hopefully that's what a lot of our, our very leader kids are learning, too. Like, I don't want to teach them, like, you're from a bad place, like, get out of it. But mm-hmm. you're from a good place that has so many things that are mm-hmm. and beautiful and important. And let's um, let's bolster it even more. Right. For sure. I, for me, there's nothing like the feeling of going back to northeast side of Houston where I grew up and seeing the, the taquerias and the aguas frescas and, and just people Los elotes. <laughs> people working and, 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 and just truly enjoying like what they have, you know, mm-hmm. and, and playing playing this game that has brought us together, um, especially is, is kind of where it's like celebrated. Um, but a little bit about how I, how I met how I met Jordan and Caitlin um, through a, a a friend, a friend of mine, Rebecca. She, she would post about this Upper Ninety organization, Upper Ninety at the time organization, and I saw the community side and I saw the soccer side, and I, it's something that I really wanted to give my time to, mm-hmm. and I reached out to her, and in less than about a month or so, I was there, and um, I can say that it was probably the best volunteer experience that I've had personally, mm-hmm. um, for so many reasons. Because like I, when when I was when I got to play and, and, you know, be a part of those sessions with those kids, you know, I saw, I saw myself, I saw my siblings, my friends and them. And it was, it, it was, it kind of helped me feel closer to home and kind of to the point you were saying that, you know, you don't have to go away. You can, you can show these kids that, Hey, I came from a place that you similar to yours. And, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm, I'm still here with, I'm still here for that, that community. You know, I'm not going elsewhere. So, um, I appreciate everything that y'all have done and and um, and all the growth that you guys have had in in, uh, in such little time. But you know, if y'all could tell us a little bit more about maybe some of those challenges that it was because you started with seventy kids, it was just the both of y'all. Um, what, what were those challenges challenges like, and how did y'all overcome them? So many challenges. <laughs> So there were a lot of challenges. Um, I left a career, I left a steady salary, and I, um, I'm so grateful to the people who took a chance on me. Um, I want to shout out Austin Soccer Foundation. You know, they gave us some seed funding at the very beginning mm-hmm. to just help us, like, buy some uniforms from Austin Soccer Corner. It was so, so, so grassroots, and I was so stressed about raising enough money. I was so stressed about is this going to be real? And I think I, I owe everything to the Austin soccer community because every person I reconnected with, because I had been gone for 12 years, but every person I reconnected with was willing 
to do something to help me out and and help us out. And I think there were so many days where I came home crying because I didn't I didn't know if I could pull it off or I didn't know if you know kids were going to come. I even remember before I first practiced, before seventy kids showed up, I was so scared. Just what if no one shows up? What if this isn't a need in the community and I'm just making this up as an outsider? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I Jordan and I were you know talking about we we're uh, had this opportunity to reflect a little bit, and I think we balance each other out so much. There are so many times where I was really down and just didn't think we could do it. You know, there there were just so many challenges with building this program from the ground up. And she would step in and just lift me up and remind me, you know, we got this, we can do this. And there were times where she was going through challenges and I would try to do the same thing. And I think that just speaks to the power of having a buddy and having, you know, somebody there. Like it, it wasn't all on me and it wasn't all on Jordan. Um, but there were so many challenges. And I love that you asked that question because sometimes it can just look like, oh, and then we started a nonprofit and yeah. then we started working for yeah. SFC and yeah. that is just yes. not yeah, that the easy. reality. <laughs> I didn't have a paycheck for the first six months. I was, you know, living off my savings and that was really, really scary. And yeah. then when I hired Jordan, like that was terrifying to be, you know, responsible for that. And um, I was so. working two jobs and then yeah. doing, yeah, like I would come in at eight to my other job and then get done at four and then run over I didn't even have a car at the time I had to like deal with Uber and whatnot I remember um and I remember like um yeah having to get to practice and staying until like eight or whatever so I would just be doing like back-to-back 12-hour days plus Sundays (laughs) yeah and then Sundays we would sit at your place or a very good Thai restaurant that I remember and and (laughs) have some Thai and do some curriculum development um and I don't know where that energy is anymore. Like, I don't know if I can do that anymore. That just sounds exhausting just yeah. to talk right. about. But it's, just, it's, yeah, it was hard. It's probably the the adrenaline of, man, we got to do this. We got to do this. Because sometimes we think of when we used to struggle, how, like, how did I, you know, how was, how did that happen? How can I, did I survive going through that and looking at, you know, where you're at right now? It's probably different in, in a more secure, you know, situation. But yeah. it's always good to reflect on, Going back to that, go, thinking of man, you're in a place where you were saying like you were crying and and you know you you were like how can I put this off? And this shows that when you have something in mind, like you already had a model for it. It's it's a one thing that even uh, like Fagu's uh, father was talking about, like when Fagunas was growing up, it's not give up, not give up. You know, just keep going. And his mom is like the the one thing you can always have to do is just move forward. You know, don't step back. Just move forward and, and keep going because time will eventually catch up when you're doing something good. And I believe time will always pay off. You know, when you're doing something good, as it's always going to pay off when you're doing something bad. So mm-hmm. you're, you're always going to be finding this, yourself in a place where out of nowhere because someone saw what you were doing and they appreciated that work. Like, you know what? Let me do some funding for you. Let me do support you this way. Or maybe not financially, but let me – let me help you by networking with this person that might help you get somewhere. And I think that's always, that's one thing that we, we've, uh, we've learned to, to embrace ourselves in here as well. Right. Now I'll say this from a, from a person on the outside looking in when, when, when I volunteered, uh, um, with your, with your org, um, I, I looked at y'all and I just saw such composure and leadership and I really admired y'all for what y'all did. Cause 
having so many kids, uh, especially at like that middle school age where they're like, <laughs> like distracted and trying to be funny and trying to be cool, <laughs> man. Uh, but yeah, just just the res- the amount of respect that that those kids had for y'all and um, saw y'all as true like badass women leaders um, w- was was inspiring. Um, and and it was one of the reasons that I kept coming because I knew y'all had a good mission, a good heart. And from the outside, it, it looked totally polished good. and composed. So. Great to hear. <laughs> <laughs> But if you can talk to me, like, at what moment uh, did you uh, begin to, like, just fully believe or, or just understand, like, this is something that's going to that's gonna push. Like, I've been working so hard to push this, and it's felt like I've been, I've been working harder than it's been moving. But, like, the moment, the inflection point where, like, this is something that, that is here to grow and stay in Austin. Hmm. I think we... Um started to introduce what's called community days. So we used to have um, just purely after school practices, right, twice a week. And um, just because, you know, kids need transportation or don't have transportation and it's much easier to get to a practice when you can just walk out of the classroom onto the field. Mm. Um, And I think over time, just so many kids were like, what are we doing on the weekends? Like, what? I want to bring my cousin. I want to bring my friend. And, like, yeah. they're just, they love this program so much. They yeah. want it 24-7. And I think that was just something, like, oh, my gosh. Like, just from from a kid perspective, they're mm-hmm. like, I like this program. That's, at the end of the day, what's most important, right? If kids don't like this program, like, there's no point. Um, and I think when they started to ask, like, let's do something on the weekends. Like, when are we going to have games? When are we going to come together? Like, just they wanted to be more and more with us. And, mm-hmm. Um, so we started to really host more and more community days and just coming to some of those first ever ones where all their families would drop them off and, you know, really um, just so important for them to be there. And so many kids from different places, from different neighborhoods, like mm-hmm. they would come together and just start and see them all come out of the woodworks and just, you know, have, again, it's a safe place to play. It's a place that's comfortable and inclusive for mm-hmm. them. Um, and just starting to see the success of that and see that. You don't even have to be tied to a school necessarily sometimes. Like, you can just go out and be in the community, and um, and kids will come. And I think that was just an amazing realization to see, like, this program can work. For sure. That's, that's such a beautiful thing where it, it always feels like the door is open. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you, you're willing to include someone because one of the worst feelings that you can experience is rejection or that you can't, you can't be part of the, the group or you're not good enough to play um, yeah. or you have nothing that you can contribute. But we have a lot of kids who show up and – Jeans, sneakers, like yep. it doesn't matter. Just Whatever you have, like have a guy, yeah. come ball out. Yeah, yep. it's it's a great time, man. It's a great time. Yeah. Um, what is something when it comes to like looking up? I know uh, kids look up to y'all, and do you recall someone you look up to as you grew up? Uh, it doesn't have to be in a specific time, but it can just be someone that you remember. Like, man, this person inspired me to do something. It might not even have to be the same thing, but something you know that you feel like you took away from that person and you, you kind of embrace that for yourself and model that aspect of that particular person. Oh, I think, sure. Yeah, um, I think for me it was both my parents just kind of going back to the way I was raised. Um, they just instilled, like, the value of being connected to your community and giving back and whatever you have, what can you do with that to make the world a better place? And, you know, like we used to volunteer all the time. And um, even when I was just very, very little, I think that was just always an ethos. So it was kind of instilled in me. And so, you know, I didn't know 
what it was that that was going to be in my life, but mm-hmm. I knew just from a very young age that I wouldn't be okay if I wasn't doing something to help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it would have been very easy for them to just give me this beautiful life and just let me enjoy it. And um, not, I mean, I did enjoy it, but you know what I mean? Like they, yeah, they, yeah. they just not do anything with it. And they just always, 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 you know, go to school, figure out what your passion is, figure out a way to make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I am very grateful to them. Um, My dad passed right before we um, became a part of Austin FC, and I think about that all the time. Like, I I remember, you know, one of the last conversations we had, he was saying, I wish you would work a little bit less hard, and I wish you had a little bit more – coming your way and and I I like to think that he maybe knew somehow that we were going to become a part of Austin FC mm-hmm. um but I am just so grateful to him and to my mom for you know teaching me the way to be in this world that's good thank you for sharing sorry sorry about your father's loss too I- yeah I think the same for me would be my mom yeah I grew up a lot just with her and she had me I think when she was like 17, 18 years old, so um, so she had me and then decided to go back to school and, you know, make sure to get her degree, okay. and I think she was working at Clinique at the time, so I have a lot of strange knowledge of Clinique and hanging out at the makeup <laughs> counter, <laughs> um, and just watching her, just, she, I think the school was like 45 minutes away, so she would work all day, she would take care of me, she would go to classes, and she got her degree and eventually started teaching um, and education just, you know, through and through. It was so important to my family. And um, so she started teaching and she eventually started working at um, the community college as a professor and then just recently went back to get her PhD, which she's going to be finishing up very wow. soon. Wow. Um, and she is just like one of the most amazing, resilient women I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I get the privilege of getting to hang out with her and learn from her. Um and she still never stops pushing me. Nice. I hope she's hearing this right now because she pushes me. <laughs> yeah, all the time. shout out she's Jordan. Like, you graduated Jordan's from Harvard. Mom. Like, what else? What's yeah, going keep on? going. What's keep going. It doesn't um, stop there. <laughs> so she's just always pushing me, and, and also she like shows me up. Like she's getting a PhD right now, so I'm like, oh, gosh, <laughs> I need to do something now. Um, but like she doesn't just say like go get your education, whatever. Like she does it right. She leads by example. She leads wow. By example. Yeah. So education, community, family, um, those things, you know very much inspired y'all informed y'all um how how is it that if you can if you can give our our audience a little bit of knowledge on how that falls into into better leaders because it's not only a, a soccer organization where you go play it's something more than that right yeah so ready leaders is a positive youth development program um it combines soccer with restorative practices um, mindfulness, social-emotional learning, um, and so a lot of really cool, innovative educational techniques. Um, and, you know, one of the big ones, the hallmarks of it is restorative practices, which I think is something that you just are not going to see a lot combined with soccer. Like, I just can't go and Google soccer restorative practices <laughs> and see what comes up. And um, it's really something really innovative that, um, you know, we were learning a lot about and thinking a lot about at Harvard um, and wanted to bring that to the soccer field. And so, the way I see restorative practices, um, it's a really a, an indigenous philosophy and framework and approach to how we think about relationships and, and people um, and community and harm, right, and how we just are in relation with each other. 
Um, and I think, you know, we move so quickly so many times in life and we don't, we kind of forget just each other and our stories and how important they are. Um, and restorative practices, it's really about reminding us like, hey, you're a person, I'm a person, like where we need to have more empathy, more kindness, right, in the world. Um, and by doing so, it ends up preventing a lot of things, a lot of problems that we see, right, in the world um, right now by just, again, acknowledging the humanity of each other. Um, and so we do that a lot through what's called Team Circle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Team Circle is like we sit down in a circle um, and we pass around a talking piece. And so everyone gets the chance to speak. Um, and it's really great because I think like for myself, I'm a kind of introverted person. Um, I'm kind of like trying to pop into a conversation and, you know, <laughs> you've got this talking piece and it's, it's so much power. You get to hold it and you mm-hmm. get to talk and you're the one person you get to speak. And for a kid, like imagine if you don't go a day throughout the day when anyone asking you a question about how you are and you get that talking piece in your hand and you just get to talk about who you are and your story and where you come from and challenges you're facing. Um, and so in the middle of soccer practice, we'll stop and um, we'll have a team circle and so our coaches will facilitate it and just gives them the opportunity to, to talk and to use their voice and to feel more empowered and just to get to know each other and um, practice vulnerability um, and be able to kind of process and talk through their emotions, um, mm-hmm. just really, really critical skills. So that's a big piece of the program that we do. Um, and then we also do mindfulness. So mindfulness is really just about learning how to be present, being in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we do a lot of practices of like, visualization right imagine yourself in q2 stadium you're about to hit a perfect goal like what are you feeling what are you thinking about what do you smell all that kind of stuff and you know having to visualize it um we'll do breathing exercises um just a lot of things to teach them how to de-stress and um you know they will find that a lot of them will use it like i felt like i was about to get in a fight or i was really mad at my mom i had to just like walk off and do a breathing exercise so just giving them that little toolkit right to take home um, and then the final piece of it is social emotional learning. And that really is just about all the skills you need to be successful in any setting you walk into. So being able to be aware of who you are, your emotions, um, being able to manage them, um, being able to set goals for yourself and have relationships that are healthy with other people. Um, and so all of that is kind of embedded into the game of soccer. The, the part of, um, cause, cause like even like in the Hispanic culture, sometimes, now it's, it's it's starting to get better, but in the past it was you know disagreements. You know sometimes you get in trouble with your parents or whatnot, or you do something wrong that you weren't supposed to, or you got mad at your sibling, and it was just like it could be like a quarrel, it could be a fight. But the part of you know now you're saying like oh now they have to learn how to just step back and take a take a take a breath, you know take a break, a mental break. Um, have you all seen something in, in the kids? Um, or, you know, how they share something, you know what, it could have gone this way and it could have been bad, but I chose to just let it go. Or, you know, I chose I chose to not get involved or not, you know, fight. I chose to, you know what, just step step back. Because that's huge. Like, yeah. Even as adults, we don't hardly, we hardly ever do that. <laughs> we, we go driving in, <laughs> you know, in Lamar. <laughs> yeah. and just look at the news. Yeah. yeah. People should yeah. do that more. So, so and it, it's a good thing, like, say, um, have you guys seen, like, say, have the kids share experiences, how at home they feel like they've practiced that aspect of taking a deep breath and coming back, okay, what did I do wrong? It was my fault. I apologize. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think I've really started to see just a lot of growth and also, like, step backs, right? Because that's real. I think that's one thing is that with this work, it's really challenging because it's not just a perfect trajectory of, okay, mm-hmm. kid learns this and it's just, you know, on the up and up, like, know people are so complex and we step down we step up we go up like 
so many different things and we'll have kids come back to us and be like, oh, I got into a fight. I thought about mindfulness and I was going to apply it. But I let my mind go. <laughs> I let them know how I felt. That's an amazing step already, right? right? To be like, I, I thought about it afterwards yeah. and now I know next time, right? And so it's just been, it's really cool to hear just different stories right. of kids coming back and talking about that. I'm thinking about a kid. This was like years ago, back when I was on the field coaching, which has been a while. Oh, but yeah. thinking it was one of my favorite kids. He was a senior and he got into some fights. Was it Pepe? <laughs> it was not Pepe. <laughs> <laughs> um, he started his senior year by punching the assistant principal. Oof. Dang. Started with the bank. This is a good kid, though. <laughs> like, this is a good kid. He, you know, was in our program, a really le- a leader in the program, still came out after graduated. And through, you know, being in the program, he learned to identify in his body what he's feeling when he's starting to get that rage and so for him he said like he makes fists and he feels his face getting hot and what he learned is if he could take a walk around outside for five minutes that feeling would go away and he learned to communicate that to his teachers like we're all human we all get angry with those emotions like they're not going to go away right Mm -hmm. you have to just learn how to manage them and so he learned that for him walking around outside would just kind of help him cool down and then he was able to have those conversations and he you know excitedly told me that that he had communicated that to a teacher and this isn't specific to the kids that we work with like this is something this is a tool I need as an adult this is a tool Mm -hmm. everybody um needs and I think you know, you were talking about community. Like, I think the other beautiful thing is that these kids see, like, we're not going anywhere. We're there. We're there in the 105-degree heat. We're there, yeah. you know, <laughs> all the time. And and we have adults who care about them, right? We have, Whether it's mm-hmm. volunteers or coaches, like, they know that we are there for them. And they know that they're, the fellow students in the program are there for them as well. And so it's, it's not just on them to manage all of this, but they know that they have their teammates and their coaches and their – friends that are going to be there supporting them no matter what that's good definitely i'd say um i was very pleasantly surprised uh the first time i started uh volunteering because i didn't know to expect circles really you know the circle the talking piece the mindfulness um and i was very surprised to see the kids how much it resonated with them because in my head i'm thinking we're playing the game that they love and we're pausing and they're actually (laughs) coming and sitting around and sharing and being vulnerable um like if i had to think about it beforehand i would say that's probably not going to work but i think that just shows how much we we underestimate uh youth we underestimate Mm -hmm. their their capabilities to to um reflect and and you know allow themselves to have a space where they can where they can be vulnerable if you if you empower them to do it Mm. um so that's one of the that's what I uh, discovered to be um, what I enjoyed the most of that program, having that those moments to sit down and and just listen and, and hear them out and then share something of, of, of myself in a very you know safe space. Um, so that was really special. And also at the end, after every practice, you would have um, a moment of kudos. I forget the the terminology I had, praise a player, praise a player. <laughs> and, uh, it always starts out very surface level. Like, Oh, uh, I like Richie cause, uh, he scored all the goals, you know, <laughs> uh, it's easy, but it gets the people talking. Right. So then 
it it goes down a little deeper, and then okay. eventually you get those the student or, or the player who's like, I liked uh, I liked Alejandra because she she uh, she always encouraged me on the field even okay. when I made a mistake. Oh wow! So those types of comments are, you know, we we play soccer Tuesdays Thursdays all the time. We most of the time we talk mess about each other, but, yeah, <laughs> but we need, we, we how much better are our youth for like giving themselves that moment of praise yeah. and you know it it builds it builds a play builds people up it builds it builds their confidence up and um it's just something truly special about your organization and innovative so yeah i think it's so important like you said to empower youth to do that for each other mm-hmm. like it's not just top down mm-hmm. right all the time and i think that's also another kind of important part of thinking about our sort of practices and trying to do away with hierarchies as much as possible mm-hmm. and so like for example one thing we do is we are on the field just as much. Like, we are the ones running the sprints and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to be out there. Like, I'm not going to sit, you know, cross-armed and watch you right. do everything. No, like you're very involved. Just as much as possible. And and that opens up a door. They mm-hmm. see, like, I'm going to trip. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm yeah. going to have a good time. I'm going <laughs> to share about my life. And they start to open up back to you. And, um, and yeah, just the same thing of them also feeling um, empowered enough to say, I'm going to speak up and say, hey, I saw this. I saw you do that, right? It doesn't have to be just from the coach. It can be from each other, and I think that's so powerful. Um, and it's just it's an important social-emotional skill to learn, hey, let me pick up my head and look at, you know, I notice this is going on on the field, and let me speak up and praise someone. The first time we ever do it, they're like, I'm not saying it. <laughs> I don't know your name, and I'm they'll yeah they'll say i don't know your name and i'm like awesome and then they're like oh my gosh right. i guess i could do that um and so just teaching them those skills and teaching them the ability to kind of use your voice it's important mm-hmm. and it's been also awesome to see like students that maybe were in middle school going into high school and the leaders that they've become because you know i i volunteered like years ago and i've kind of been the intermittent every now and then i've just seen them grow into such like true leaders and like confident and capable young adults yeah. and i just can't imagine the feeling that you that you must feel of pride of seeing them go through your programs very emotional um <laughs> well one of the it's, uh yeah. sorry one of the uh one of your students was actually doing the the heartbeat on saturday oh yeah and i missed it i was uh it was one of our friends birthday and i I'm initially so my my goal sometimes is to do the picture of the person doing the heartbeat and uh, next to Kurt, so I'm like, man, I should have been there because it would have been a good picture to yeah. share with y'all. But next and time. I actually, I actually remember her uh, quite a bit because yes. when when I would volunteer, she was there, and um, I I remember specifically on praise a player, like I I would always praise her because um, I I saw I used to call her La Capi, oh, really? the captain, because she played yeah. like a leader, like no matter her size or. Or the fact that she was playing with you know other other boys that maybe were a little bit stronger or quicker, but she was truly capable at, at, on the football field. But it's now extra awesome to see her do things off the field and getting that recognition. It's been amazing. Yeah, she got a scholarship from Austin Soccer Foundation, wow. um, and now she's going to be going to um, St. Edwards and going to be playing, playing there. Soccer. And yeah. she's like, I also want to coach with you guys. Nice. And wow. Back. And so it's just she's been, amazing. Yeah, it's been really amazing to watch her, and I think that's one of the biggest points of the foundation is to have that lifelong impact. Like, this is not a one-time thing. Like, we, we have so many different programs that are about that kind of pipeline of being with us from – start to the soccer ball on the field and mm-hmm. you can end up you sitting right here in this chair right 
Um, it's actually, we're starting to be a lot more intentional about that. Um, so we're starting this fall. It's called the Verde Youth Leadership Academy. Okay. Um, and it's really about, like you said, you know, intentionally building leaders so who are high school students. So we get this question so many times, like, when can I be a coach? They also see Pepe, and they're like, when yeah. can I be a coach? I, I want to be, be, be like Pepe. They all, everybody um, wants to be Pepe, right? Uh, everybody wants to be <laughs> um, I mean, he's a good-looking guy. <laughs> <laughs> and so they always ask, and so um, we've always been like, okay, when you graduate high school, that kind of thing, right? And I think um, just started to see more of a need for especially high school students who have to give back and support their family, right, and, mm-hmm. and need to work, and we can't come yeah. to soccer practice and stuff like that. And so I think with that, we are going to be starting to offer um, kind of a leadership development program that, that pays them to be part of the program. Um, oh, wow. so they're going through kind of a 10-month intensive um, just workshops and different leadership sessions mm-hmm. and things like that, and it's also in partnership with um, Q2, and so they're going to be actually – you know, mentoring them throughout the entire year and offering things like professional development sessions. Um, and then in addition to that, those who are over 16 um, get to coach um, on the field. So they're going to wow. be actually at our Verde Leader Middle School sites, um, learning how to be a coach, coaching right alongside um, our different assistant and head coaches and just, you know, having that first job, having that first paycheck, all that kind of stuff. And the just, responsibility. You know, responsibility. responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so really, really excited. So we're about to launch that actually next week um, and have a cohort come in. And just I'm, I'm so excited about that. That's something. So it could easily be where a, a, a kid, you know, someone in high school can go work. McDonald's can work. Jack in the box. Or on the weekends can be working in a hotel. Um, but having them to go work and in a place where they enjoy, they're going to get to experience, okay, yes, this is enjoyable for y'all, but now you're going to see the, you know, kind of like the hustle behind it. But if you work hard, you know, there's so much gratitude you're going to get from it, so much, a lot of the time experience you got from previous years by, you know, being a student, now you're being a leader, mm-hmm. how much more they're going to bring to the table because you're growing people from within your organization. Yep. And I think that's always better than when you bring people outside totally. to the to the organization. And it brings a value because they understand it. They have an appreciation for it. They already know how it's like. They already, because they've seen you guys treat them well, they're going to treat the other kids well. And I think that always, for me, is if you grew, if you grew up in a place where, yes, it was tough when you were growing up and, and you remember, you probably didn't have a good relationship with your parents, but it's up to you how you want the relationship to be with your sibling or your, your significant other and how you want to make it forward. Um and then when you do that, then changes that, that that's a generational change. I mean, besides for me, generational wealth should it's not just monetary, but it's also emotional, social, and yeah. and it's also like I would give like allowing people to build a character where they can always help someone else. Like I always grew up where you want to help the other person be better than you. So it's never a competition, but it's a way to you know, if someone else like this younger that wants to do a podcast, my goal is going to be whatever you need, do it better than me. Um, so you you got you guys bringing in something like that. That's that's an awesome thing to to hear because how many more good stories are are we going to be getting out of that, and yeah. how much more a benefit is going to be for the community and for their families, for their future, for their parents? Because sometimes their parents might be having a, a hard time. Um, maybe they're seeing something from their kids, and they're like, "Man, maybe I need to change because my boy or my girl is doing something that." that is helping them, I want to maybe do something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So they're ready to be on your podcast when you're all ready. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. That would be awesome. <laughs> have lots to of have, stories. 
it, so that's a, what it's a about. Verde, a young veteran leader <laughs> on the podcast. We've already had uh, Pepe, yeah. uh, which is great to have him because you guys have some amazing uh, coaches and assistant coaches. It's not only all this like you know amazing uh, mindfulness and and social work. It's also like you're out on the cherry on top is you're getting like some quality. Uh, training sessions like you're yeah. you're working on your touch you're working on how to how to move how to play as a team not just dribble past everybody um so that's really cool it's really cool to see um i remember uh wesley wesley's super wesley's involved super coach. great coach um and and uh jorge uh um but it was always great to see that that aspect of it that you know it kind of helps uh break through to the kids like initially to where they're like, oh, this these people like are trying to improve my skills, mm-hmm. so they're willing to hear you out for the stuff that maybe exactly. they didn't get the buy in at first. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. that's cool to see. Oh yeah, thank you for bringing that up because I do feel like we do talk a lot about the education piece of it, but yeah, the technical side is yeah. is amazing. It's important, mm-hmm. and I think Pepe and Wesley have brought a lot of that knowledge, um, which has been really great. Because also, yeah gets kids into it right and they understand and there's so many things that if you're getting better at soccer you're growing in confidence for instance, mm-hmm. right and so so important and how uh, pepe came in and a play in a time where he was going through a tough situation with his in- knee injury oh that's right so that that's pretty cool uh because I, I i think it was through sonny sonny you were having an event in san antonio and sonny couldn't go so he's he told pepe hey you want to go and pepe was like in the in a pretty low point in his life he said you know what I'll go, and after that, he's like, "Okay, what can I do? What can I? Yeah. How can? What can I do to join?" We owe a lot to Sunny. I know. But <laughs> <laughs> he's a locally coach in in Austin. Yes, but yeah, I mean, I think that's the goal, right? Like, we want this program to be run by the community itself, right? Like, and and that's what we're building towards. I think coaches who come from the community understand what these kids are going through, and you know, have shared experiences and can connect with them better, and um, that's who should be running this amazing program. And I think it just speaks to the amazing talent and just, I don't know, the potential in all of these amazing kids. They just need that opportunity. So um, that's our goal is just to give as many opportunities as possible. And now, you know, being attached to Austin FC, um, we just hired our first um, the graduate from the Verde Leaders program. He's going to be a freshman in college, and he's working with us as a fellow for an entire year where he gets to job shadow all the different departments in Austin FC, and he also gets mentorship from one of Austin FC's corporate yeah. partners, NetSpen. Wow. He also gets a college scholarship. So this is this kind of evolution of he started in high school with us, and he – you know, became an assistant coach, and now he applied for this fellowship program, and now mm-hmm. he gets to see firsthand what it's like to work for a major league soccer team. And who knows, maybe when he graduates, maybe he'll be our next marketing coordinator or, you know, ticket sales person. For and sure. The possibilities yeah. that, that have been opened up through through your organization have been quite wonderful to see. And I'm I'm, ex- I'm really happy and excited to see uh, at, at the at the future direction uh, that it's going in. And um how 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 was it just to backtrack a little bit like how how did that um did y'all incorporate into 4ATX I don't know if we touched on that it was a process so I think through the work that we were doing with upper 90 mm-hmm. um we met you know the people that were on the ground behind the MLS to ATX movement mm-hmm. and um you know kind of became a voice from the nonprofit community of you know we want this team to come to Austin and we want this to be an opportunity and um, th- 
through that, I, you know, I started getting invited to some of the events and started to meet, whether it was Anthony Precourt or Andy Lochney and the, the president of the club. Um, and, you know, at one point, um, Austin FC gave a $20,000 grant to Upper 90, which was, you know, you asked about when was the moment that you realized that yeah. there have been many of them, but that was certainly that one was of one. them. Like, okay, Major League Soccer apparently believes in what we're doing. Yeah. And just through those kind of touch points, just started having conversations with Andy and Anthony and um, really just started to see that there was, that Anthony had this vision for what this club was going to be and, you know, wanted it to be a force for good in the community and saw that overlap with the work that we were doing with Upper 90 and over the course of a year and, you know, lots of different conversations, we kind of just realized that we're, we're working towards the same goal. Mm -hmm. So let's bring the program over. Let's bring the Upper 90 team over. Um, let's change the name to Verde Leaders. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've had the truly once a lifetime opportunity to get to lead, you know, the community impact work for the club and the team come over. And um, it's it's just been an unbelievable ride. And I think it, I really, I always just say it goes back to that vision that they had. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the fact that we started a year before we even signed our first player just really speaks to the fact that this is a genuine desire to impact the community. And we realize we could do more together. Because, uh, I mean, a soccer team, a lot of times we think of the players, we think of the coach and we we sometimes forget the organizations outside of it. And then, for ATX, I I started seeing I started seeing more and more involvement like in the team, and that's good because when the team came around, my my point of view and the way I look at it is as being part of the supporter sections, is how everything was built through the community. Everything around there it's done through people that are here present. Like there's not a part timer person that has a bigger name that comes every once in a while to come check in, say hi and bye. But the work that is done is by people that actually are from Austin. Mm -hmm. They, you know, you guys were established before then, um, and then their vision. And that's something that that um, that I, I feel having that that um, foundation. It's gonna help in the long run. You know, the team success. We hope they win many championships, um, but also the community part. It's crucial because when you forget about the community part you forget about where you're playing you forget about the people and you only worry about the business aspect of it then that just becomes you know sort of a a wall between the team and and the uh like the people mm -hmm. building this type of organizations help bridge some of that you know corporate you know apart from from the team yeah. um and, and the team is also for me the team is learning a lot of new things there's people that, that work there that are learning a lot more things as we go, and especially as we grow. And we've, we've also had situations where, you know, they had to learn how to manage different scenarios where people agreed or disagreed. Mm -hmm. But as long as they keep true to themselves and are and always feel like, hey, this is about the community, it's, it's a community-driven environment, then there is going to be more bound to success because there's more substance behind it. There's more, there's more um, appreciation for the people around here behind it. 
Now, however, can you talk to Evan to record and bring a Mexican player here? Because that's one of Richie's gripes. This is one thing. I mean, we we talk about the the Austin FC side, the soccer side here, and of course we want championships, and of course we want success. And you know, obviously that would have some that would have helped through throughout its whole organizations. But I'll say this: like uh, a team can win a championship or or whatever, and that happens, and. it's not in history, but the work the work that, that that y'all do, I see I see such a huge value because it, it's it's truly lasting. It goes forever because mm-hmm. it's not only to that student that that's there. It's it's also to their family, to their siblings, and what they pass down to them, um, and then who they become as adults in this like you know day to day society. You know, going into the mm-hmm. workplace, going into that first job. So how can how can people volunteer? Is it, can we also find it somewhere online? Yeah, so it's actually on the website. So we're going to be starting that back up soon, right? Because the school year is going to be starting back Mm -hmm. up um, and our programs start after Labor Day. Um, So always looking for people to come out and just, you know, again, give back um, any free time that they have. And like Jorge has said, just have a good time, connect with kids, be a positive role model for them. Um, And yeah, if you actually go to our website on 4htxfoundation.org. That's a great way people can volunteer. Um, And then we'll also have some other opportunities coming out um, later this fall. So if you fill out that form and just ask you questions of, you know, what it is that you like doing and mm-hmm. we'll find a, a volunteer opportunity for you. So nice. even if you don't play soccer, there's opportunities. There's ways to give, to give, okay. to give yeah, back. Absolutely. The final thing I was going to say too is we do a 50-50 raffle during match day. Um, so if you check us out, I think it's by section 135, I believe it is. Um, near the Pluckers is near, all I yeah, near, near the Pluckers. Near the Pluckers. But near the Pluckers, you'll see. And then all throughout the stadium. Um, but Pluckers is kind of our home base. Um, and nice. we sell 50-50 raffle tickets. So if you ever want to get a chance to win half the pot and the other half of the pot comes back to benefit for GX Foundation. That's great. That's great. We'll, we'll we'll make sure to include all that in our show notes and uh, ra- rally our our friends and troops to to, to you know donate. Um, what is something like your favorite moments from let's say like when you joined Austin FC? What is something that like um, you enjoy? Like say in a game, it could be in a game. It could be um, a gathering and a band where you know it could be one. I know they have a soccer gala or or they have the Forty TX Foundation gala. What is something you you feel like, man, this is one of my favorite moments from when we became part of Austin FC? Mm, I think one of them would be just in May, um, we actually got the opportunity to hold an exhibition match at Q2 Stadium, and actually Lamerga was there as well. Um, I got to cheer on our kids, and so they got to do the whole walk out and everything like that wow. they got to warm up and do a walk out they did the starting 11 photo um and then actually got to play and then have lamurga play um you know in the background mm-hmm. and just really feel like they are an austin fc player um and i think that was just that was just an amazing moment um i think just almost have no words for it i think it would make me very emotional <laughs> to see them actually walk out and just think about where we came from and where right. we started and, and to see um these kids have this opportunity um was just amazing um so yeah i think definitely we have a lot of kids that continue to ask us um what am i gonna play when are they gonna <laughs> have their pro um, experience <laughs> and like stepping up their game you know? yeah for sure they, every time they score they'll be like jordan, jordan. <laughs> they're practicing I'm their like celebrations because the kids now they do the dances man yeah. they have the tiktok oh, yes, dances yeah. ready um yeah man it's above my level for sure i could just do the <laughs> boombia here and there but uh, i don't do nothing man i'm like a tube that moves i've seen you move richie i've seen you move sometimes um no it's <laughs> no awesome. we forgot about kaylin 
I, I was going to say, I have to share mine. Yeah, please, please, please. Please. Sorry, but sorry. <laughs> I, I got distracted. I got distracted. Apologies. Um, I missed that match because I had COVID. So oh, I'm dang. very sad about that. But um, for me, it was 100% our first Horitex Foundation Gala. It's called okay. A Night in Verde. It's at Q2 Stadium. Um, it's amazing. The entire Austin FC team attends. All the executives from Austin FC attend. And all of our amazing supporters. And... One of my favorite student, students ever, his name is Miguel. Um, he graduated from the program a few years ago. We invited him to come back and speak and just share his story about being in the program. And, I mean, y'all, standing up in front of, like, imagine the Lexus mm-hmm. Club at QT Statement, standing up in front of 300 yeah. people and ha- the lights are on you and, you know, 28 of the top soccer players in the country or world are watching you and, that's scary for anybody. And this amazing young man stood up and just told his story. And I was bawling. <laughs> and when he finished, the entire room stood up. Wow. And he got a standing ovation from every single person. And after the event, six or seven of our players were coming up to me. And I want to meet Miguel. I want to meet Miguel. They were saying, if you ever want to talk, here's my jersey. If you want, like, just I want to, you know, support people like that. And I... I was so proud of Miguel, and I was also just, it was such an incredible moment to see the players embrace him and see everybody in that room, you know, recognize what an amazing young person this is, and these are the people we have the privilege of getting to work with every single day. Man. Incredible. No, I've, I've, I've gotten the chance to meet Miguel, man. Yeah. What, a, what a wonderful young man, and it's so nice to hear that he's getting his flowers um, and recognition, you know what I mean? And I can't imagine what confidence that's, that's built in him and, you know, helped his future out a little bit. Did, uh, was Miguel, like, uh, how his background, like, how was it before uh, when he started uh, in the program? So he, he joined the program. He was one of our first community students. So Jordan mm-hmm. was speaking earlier about how, you know, we ran these after-school programs that were at schools, but then we started hearing about kids cousins and neighbors you know wanting to join and he was one of the very first ones that didn't go to a school he went to lbj which was the school that we weren't at mm-hmm. at the time and mm-hmm. i always tell him like the day he showed up he changed the program because he was a little bit older he was just a leader and kids the younger kids looked up to mm-hmm. him and he, he's very cool he's the coolest and <laughs> you know you talk about like the soccer being the honey that that gets the kids bought in for whatever reason miguel was just bought in like mm-hmm. he he did mindfulness. He shared in circle. He just, from the moment he joined, he was a leader and um, really, I think, started, had such a hand in starting this cycle of, like, young kids looking up and seeing what they could be. Mm-hmm. So he he graduated. He came back and worked for us as an assistant coach. He, you know, still makes celebrity appearances to this day. Um, I was talking to him the other day, but he, yeah, I think was just really one of the first role models of what an amazing older student can be to these younger kids man that's cool i I just that moment itself like all the i mean it could go for maybe it was a program where he come in he's not part of the school his friend because i'm like hey you want to come he's kind of like i guess i mean play soccer i'm down (laughs) and he saw that and how that saying yes to that moment led to him sharing in a you know a room full of 300 people dressed up like in tuxedos and, and dresses that's that's a life-changing moment for the good um and i hope he's doing well whatever miguel's at and and hopefully one day you know he wants to come share his story it would be pretty cool too 
Yeah, we're we're super interested at um, opening the doors to better the leaders. Anybody, especially, y'all pitch the idea of, uh, of bringing some of your your younger your younger members. We would be happy to have them on the podcast, talk about soccer, just talk about you know their lives or whatever they're willing to share. But um, it's it'd be a great thing, um, and we look forward to continue to have this little bit of a partnership and see how we can we can also be a part of this like movement that you guys have have started. Thank y'all so much for being on the podcast. It's been it's been an incredible episode. Um, I've I'm so happy it finally happened. <laughs> um, and I don't know if do you have anything else to add or anything that maybe we didn't touch on, or you guys have any questions for us without putting you on the spot. <laughs> I think one program I actually didn't talk a lot about, which is kind of interesting, um, something a little bit more innovative, is um, we um, run a program with Austin FC Academy. Um, so we actually work with you know, these amazing elite players, and we do restorative circles with them um, weekly, and we're about to start that again. Oh, we're right. in our, I think, third year of actually doing that. Um, and just, yeah, the privilege of working with these young men who are amazing soccer players mm-hmm. and um, just helping them become good people good citizens right and giving learning to give back to this community and stuff like that and so and also we know they're in an intense environment it's very high pressure right and there's a lot of stress that can come with that and so just teaching them about um how to how to manage that stress how to handle high pressure environment um how to think about and process their emotions um and yeah i think this is just something that you're not really seeing a lot across elite soccer in general um so i think you know we tend to think that it has to only be soccer or maybe a little bit of mental toughness psychology but to really dive deep into mm-hmm. being vulnerable and talking about your community and, and things like that right i think is so so important and will ultimately help them in the future um but yeah just something innovative that we're really trying and, and have been working on for the past few years um and just the program that i'm just so excited to launch again that's nice. super awesome that just shows the level of confidence that that they have in what you guys are doing in the community side to bring that onto the academy side. So I think that eventually would give Austin see an edge, um, something different mm-hmm. because, like you say, how innovative it is. Something an, an extra tool set that maybe other teams, other organizations are not doing. So kudos, kudos to y'all, kudos to everything that y'all do. Um, we're so excited to see what the future holds for y'all, and uh, thank you for for joining us on episode. 55. Yeah, there's actually, um, so earlier I was listening to one of our friends. He has a, uh, another, another like soccer show and they were talking about, uh, Josh Wolves, um, how his, his attitude is different this year. It's, it's more calm. He's, you know, he has a better, uh, understanding with the, with the media <laughs> and he, he's, you know, like he seems more relaxed and things are going well. Like the, you know, the players are getting along and he's like, man, what did he do? Like, did he go take a class or something? Yeah. And I'm like, now we know what he did. Now we know what he did. <laughs> he was part he of the service. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure Jordan and Kaylin are like, all right, man, let's get in the leader. Let's get in the, you know, in that mindfulness circle with a stick and then in the, in the coaching staff right there. Of course, there. they're not at liberty to say they're like, that. Josh, no, right? What we will say is Josh is very supportive of 4A Tech's foundation. He's instilled this culture from the top down of, you know, the players are here to connect to the community. And I think, I think that does make everybody better players and you know better coaches to be connected to the community and to feel that love back. Um, but yeah, really, thank you all so much for the opportunity to just share a little bit about the work we're doing. And if anybody's listening to this and anything resonated with you, like none of this works without the soccer community. Mm-hmm, so for sure. reach out. We want to hear from you. We'd love to get you involved. Um, we 
want to keep building out this community. You don't have to be a coach to be involved. So, you know, if any of this resonated, let us know and get in touch. Awesome. Thank you. Um, Koke, uh, do you have anything else? No, sir. I think this, this is awesome. A lot of good information and um, we'll for sure get it out. Um, thank you for coming. Uh, I appreciate it. And my, 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 my dream was always to, whenever I was thinking about this podcast, is to bring people that talk about community, life, and football mm-hmm. for ATX touches, all three sides. Literally, <laughs> yeah, y'all, y'all hit all of our main core yeah. values, so... This is this is perfect. Um, if if any of y'all enjoyed this this episode, please share it with a friend uh, or family or whoever. Um, we really um, appreciate everyone for listening to episode fifty five, and we hope to continue to have y'all and, and bring y'all more amazing stories, such as Jordan and Caitlin's story for ATX and Better Than Leaders. Se cuidan, se portan bien, y adiós.